This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Because if you can tell me what your habits are, I can tell you what sort of a person you are. I can tell you what your future looks like. But like I always say, life is 10% what happens to you. It's 90% what you do about it. The people who are most effective in the workplace believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past. When people don't believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past, they begin to disengage. You're listening to The Circuit of Success, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve success in every facet of life. Only on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Now, your host, Brett Gilliland. Welcome to the Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland, and today I've got Mark C. Winters with me. Mark, how you doing? I'm doing great, Brett. How about yourself? I'm doing great as well. How you living in these crazy COVID times? You guys you know, surviving with your it's, uh, it's, family? It's, Interesting times, right? Every every day brings a brings a new perspective. So we're just uh, trying to learn and and uh, and and get better every day. Absolutely. Well, I was introduced to you from Gino Wickman, who was on the uh, podcast, and he absolutely crushed it, as you as you probably know uh, that he would do that. And so uh, he recommended we connect, and so here we are. So excited! I know you are you know, an entrepreneur, a business owner, an author, a father, a, you know, husband, all these things, right? And you've got a lot going on in your world. But where I always like to start. Mark, is really what's kind of made you the man you are today. You don't just wake up and do all this stuff. So kind of give us the backstory. Who is Mark C. Winters? Wow, that's a big question. So, uh, you know, born in a small town in, in Oklahoma, uh, you know, went to school at the University of Oklahoma, went to work for Procter & Gamble right out of school and, uh, you know, sort of cut my teeth there uh, really in sales at first and then got involved in a lot of integration of uh, companies that we were acquiring at that time. I went back to business school at the University of Chicago. And in, 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 in business school, I really, that's where I caught the entrepreneurial bug. And uh, you know, there were some things that I saw going on in, in class I was in. I'm like, you know, that, that just looks way more interesting than what I'm doing right. working with these grocery stores, you know? And so I decided that was the path for me. And, and uh, in a lot of ways, burned my, burned my ships and just said, all right, I'm leaving all this behind. I'm going to figure this out. And that led to now I think I'm up to 15 different companies that I've either started myself, uh, bought from somebody else, shut down completely or sold off to somebody in all different industries, everything from, you know, manufacturing to high-end analytics to consulting services and, and everything in between. So uh, that all led me to a point in my life where I, I sort of decided to shift my focus away from uh, being an operator and moving into more of an advisory role. And uh, I started some peer groups. I'd been involved with an organization called EO, Entrepreneurs Organization, you're probably familiar with. And so longtime member here in, in the Dallas-Fort Worth market and uh, you know, on the board for multiple terms. So I understood the value of a peer group. So I also got involved with Vistage and started uh, four Vistage groups here in Dallas-Fort Worth, did that for a while. And then uh, just through uh, really uh, fate and, and good luck, I, I was told about the book Traction, and that led me to read that and uh, meet the guy named Gino Wickman, who you mentioned earlier. Yeah. And Gino and I had a lot of a lot of history in common, and so we became fast friends. And uh, that ultimately led to he and I collaborating on the book Rocket Fuel, and you know here we are. 
That's awesome. So talk to us about Rocket Fuel. Great book, by the way. So you can pick that up at any major uh, you know, place you can get books. But kind of for you, what was the passion behind that? And, and why did you guys write that? Well, so uh, at the time when I mean, Gino approached me about it, uh, the, the, the project, I, in my own history, I had a, an experience that, that really represented this visionary integrator combination for your listeners that may not be familiar with it. Rocket Fuel is all about the two types of leaders we find at a helm of an entrepreneurial company that can, can really take it to a higher level. And you know, one's the visionary entrepreneur. And I know that's the, the name of your firm is visionary. So a lot of your listeners are probably really familiar with, with that role. That's the, you know, the creative spark that gets, gets the business started in the first place, typically. Um, but the integrator is this, this complementary leader that is really great at execution. They're great at follow through. They're great at making things happen. So the visionary kind of makes it up, the integrator makes it happen. And when you can have those two together, it's just super powerful. So in my experience, I'd seen that work. In Gino's experience of his own companies, he had seen that work. And then he and I were both working with companies to implement EOS, the entrepreneurial operating system. So exposure to lots and lots of, of these entrepreneurial companies. And what we were seeing was, you know, in the ones, that had effectively built this combination of a visionary and an integrator, they were just performing at a much higher level. So just tremendous power there. And so Rocket Fuel explores what that structure looks like, how it works, and it really creates a structure to, to maximize that power that exists when you bring those two types of folks together. Well, it's huge because I look at our firm, Visionary Wealth Advisors, and I call Tim Hammett my co-founder, and, and he's the president. I'm the CEO of the firm, and, and I call him the bulldog, right? Because we can come up with these ideas, and then he is the integrator. And uh, it's amazing that the stuff that he can do. And I think that's so important, right, to know that with somebody. Maybe we got lucky. I don't know. I don't think we went into starting Visionary knowing that one could do one thing and one could do the other, but it just kind of happened. And I think... The most important thing that I have found is communication is key in that. Mm. And then also checking your ego at the door, which is hard to do, right? Is sometimes if he's the integrator on something, I may not be as involved early on. You want to be involved, right? You want to be, it's your baby. Yeah. And then vice versa for him, he may want to be involved in something that I'm doing and it, it's difficult. So when you hear me say that kind of stuff, what comes to mind? What are your thoughts? Well, a lot of things. One, you are lucky uh, that you you sort of stumbled into that. Uh, you know, you didn't that, that wasn't necessarily your intent, but you're super fortunate that you you had that other person there with you. And you guys really had each other uh, to to create that combination on your own. So that's 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 wonderful. And you know, you hit on a couple of key points. You know, the the communication we we have you know a set of rules. You know, the five rules that we talk about to really help the the duo maximize their power. One of them is stay on the same page. Really, that's the the first rule. And uh, you know, that speaks directly to communication and, and the, the, the effort and the, the discipline that's required to make sure that you're not catching each other off guard, that you're not surprising each other, uh, that you're not operating out of alignment with each other and really doing the work to make sure that you're almost two halves of the same brain. You know, you're different halves, but you're two halves of the same brain so that after you have gotten on the same page, if somebody were to come up and ask you about something, you'd give them close to the same answer. Right. right? Uh, and, and then, like you mentioned, being able to defer uh, the responsibility for certain things to the other so that you've got really clearly defined roles and responsibilities uh, so that somebody's taking the lead, somebody's taking accountability for, for the important things and making sure that they happen. You're collaborating, you're helping, but at the end of the day, you know, somebody owns it and is making sure that we're, uh, you know, we're taking care of it the way that we need to. So you're, you're, you're very naturally, it's interesting to hear you say that, you know, without 
uh, you know, the, the guidance of you know, what we captured in the book, you've sure. sort of instinctively gone and done this. So that's fantastic. Yeah, it's funny. You say finish each other. I was, I was starting to kind of smile and laugh when you said that, because there, there's there's many meetings, right, that we're in where somebody says something. I'm like, OK, I know exactly how he's going to answer that and vice versa. Right. We got our little jokes and I'm like, OK, here we go. Here's yep. what he's going to say, you know, and, and I think that staying on the same page is critical in, in that communication. So anybody listen that has a business partner and partner at home, whatever it may be. Uh, you know, we, we talk at the end of every day almost. And yeah. last night we had this, you know, this spark. I was waiting for food to come out to the car, bring it home to the family. And, and it in this, this idea kind of hit. Right. And then, so now it was taking that idea, a visionary idea. Now let's integrate it. Let's, let's massage it. Let's think about it. Will this work? Will it not work? And then what we're going to do is take some time in the next couple of weeks, a full day retreat, yeah. right? We'll spend time on that, massage it, think about it, see if it makes sense to implement into our firm. So again, when you hear that, kind of some thoughts maybe for our listeners about thinking, strategizing, communication. Yeah. So, so first let's kind of talk about the, the, how we get on the same page. So, you know, our, our tool really is, we call it the same page meeting. And the discipline is that at least once a month, the visionary and the integrator sit down together to go through this list of all the things that either they feel like they may not be on the same page about, or they are concerned that they may end up on, you know, confused about, or things that each other may be doing. They're just kind of bugging you, right? It's just kind of, you know, this, this doesn't feel right. And so the, the commitment is that at least once a month, you spend as much time as you need going through all those things and, and making sure that you've, you've created that alignment and, and you've got it. Sometimes you do it more often, right? So sometimes, uh, you know, I have a visionary integrator duo that will do it weekly. Some will do it daily. Uh, but it's important that you don't mistake time together for that kind of structured, focused uh, time that you're actually making sure you're getting on the same page. I, I have some folks that when I first start working with them, they'll say, well, you know, our offices are right next to each other. I see them every day. But that's not, you don't talk about this stuff. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's hello, it's, doesn't work. it's a drive-by, right? And it's, it's high level superficial stuff. It's not, you know what, when you do this in a meeting, it really, uh, it really inhibits my ability to be effective, right? Oh, wow, that's a real thing we can talk about. So, so we got to get on the same page, use that structure to do that. And then when it comes to execution, you know, depending on the size of your organization, I know some of your uh, listeners, you know, they may have a, a smaller professional services firm, some, you know, maybe, maybe much bigger. So when you're working in the context of a visionary and an integrator and a, maybe a larger leadership team, the execution may involve enrolling more people. It may involve actually handing something off to a, a leader of a, of a department to, to take it and run with it. But it starts with that group, first the visionary and integrator, and then the rest of the leadership team really getting aligned around, hey, this, this is something we want to do. It's in alignment with our vision, with where we want to go. And, uh, you know, here's how we want, here's who's going to own it in terms of execution. And then they kind of hand that off and fit it into the priorities of the firm and, uh, and, you're, and you're off and running. So lots of different ways to solve that piece of it, depending on your organization, how big a deal it is, you know. Uh, but it's interesting, and you may not have experienced this because you, you, you do have kind of, fortunately, this, this relationship that you've had from the, the beginning of your firm, it sounds like. But imagine a visionary like you without that counterpart. Well. Yeah. Right. So, so, so think about, and there's again, probably a lot of people listening that maybe live in that world. And, and what that world looks like is they've got this idea and they're super excited about it. it. Sounds great. They can see all that, but then when it comes to actually executing it, they get stuck, you know, and, and, and that can be very frustrating for the organization, 
because sometimes the visionary has trouble communicating to everybody in the organization. It's like we're speaking two different languages where many times the visionary and integrator can understand each other. And sometimes the role of the integrator is a little bit of a translator uh, right. to kind of make it make sense for everybody else in the organization. And, and they'll have these, these starts where you, know, you have this idea and you kind of blah, blah, blah. You kind of tell the organization something about it. And then maybe they get it, maybe they don't, but pretty quickly you've got another idea and it's over here. And now you're looking at that and the organization's like, well, wait, now he's looking over there. And then you look back at the thing. And so you, we talk about organizational whiplash yeah. where they can just kind of get pulled back and forth by this, this instinctive behavior of the visionary that's operating without this counterforce of a, of an integrator in between to kind of keep it focused, make sure that you, this is in alignment with the plan make sure this is something we should be doing and actually following through on it. Yeah. Well, I think the visionary likes that shiny new object, right? For sure. You know, so for sure. Do that. So you got number one, stay on the same page. You said there's five of them. So why don't you tell our listeners the, the five? Yeah. So uh, the first one is stay on the same page. Second one, we, we call it no end runs. And the structure is this. So you got a visionary, You've got an integrator that, that you know, is connected with the, the visionary. And then really the rest of the leadership team, again, depending on the size of the organization, reports into that integrator. And so we're trying to set up the integrator for success. And again, imagine a firm where that integrator didn't exist before. It wasn't in the equation before. People historically may have the habit of always going to the visionary for everything. And so when we put that integrator in place, now they're going to the, the integrator, but they may have that old habit and they just want to go directly to the visionary. But again, that can really make it difficult for the integrator to be effective. So we want to cut that behavior off of making this end run around the integrator. And the visionary plays a very important role in that because their job is basically when they see it happen to, to, to stop it. To, 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 and we, we talk about the question. In, in air quotes, the question. Yeah. And the question is, you know, you listen to them say whatever they're going to say to you. And a lot of times though, they're asking for a decision, they're asking for direction, and we don't want to give them a decision or direction if it should be coming to the integrator. So we say, look, I hear you, uh, but I got a question for you. And the question is, are you going to tell the integrator or am I going to tell the integrator? Because somebody's got to tell the integrator. And all of a sudden, you know, they're kind of exposed. Okay, wow, right. the integrator's going to find out about this. I thought I was going, you know, getting around them and, and all that. So anyway, that simple question, that simple behavior by the visionary can put an end to these end runs and really help your integrator be more effective. The other side of it is a behavior of the visionary where the visionary will sort of swing down into the organization, bypassing the integrator to go give direction and make decisions. And we don't want that to happen either because it sort of has the same effect of, of disintermediating that important uh, role of the integrator. And again, it's a habit. It's not that the visionary is trying to do something bad, although the effect of it is really kind of tampering and done in the absence of alignment, in the absence of you know all the other things that are information about all the other things that are going on that the integrator is trying to coordinate. A lot of times it can be pretty, pretty damaging. So visionary has got a, a really important role in putting it into what we call end runs. So that's the second, the second. That's rule. great. What's the third one? Third rule integrator is the tiebreaker. Okay. So uh, a pattern that we'll see in leadership teams uh, frequently is they'll get stuck. Uh, so, and, and they'll, there's almost a reluctance to make decisions sometimes. And, you know, particularly if, uh, let's say the, the sales leader and the ops leader are sort of at cross purposes and the sales leader saying, oh, we got to go this way. The ops leader saying, no, we got to go that way. And they just can't seem to work it out themselves. And so we get stuck. We need to, we need to be able to move forward. We can't stay stuck. 
And so the role of the integrator is when that happens is to hear the arguments of both sides in the context of, you know, the greater good and the, the vision, the plan for the organization, and then make a decision and, and break that tie uh, so that we can get unstuck and make a decision and move forward. Right. So, and they may not make it right all the time, but uh, through that same page discipline, they're going to be the best person to represent the interests of the visionary and the integrator and all the executional requirements and constraints that the organization may have. And so we're gonna let them make that decision so that we don't get stuck and we can keep moving forward. So number three is the integrator is the tiebreaker. I like this. I mean, I think at the end of the day too, what I'm hearing and maybe our listeners are hearing this too, is there's a process for everything. Mm -hmm. Hence your EOS, hence, you know, traction, hence rocket fuel. I mean, all these things, right? That shouldn't be a shock to anybody, but I think it does come down to what is the process? What is the process for communication? If it's that sales leader versus the, you know, um, you know, ops person, you know, what's the process of reporting that information? And I, and again, I, I'm a big believer in, you know, we do an every other Tuesday meeting as a full team executive team. We have an interquarter uh, meeting, and then we have a quarterly offsite retreat. Okay. I'm a big believer in those steps because again, you can't communicate too much. You really can't. And I think that's helping the team. And I know it helps me if I'm flying at 200,000 feet up here, it helps me come down and start to hover over the weeds a little bit and get in there. Right. Right. And maybe allow somebody else that likes to be in the weeds to come up here, come up for some fresh air and think about that stuff. Right. Yeah. It's an opportunity to kind of step back and, you know, we talk about as working on the business instead of in the business. So, yeah. so we need the leadership team to be able to step back and look at this whole thing together from really a general management perspective and not just their silo, not just their typical day-to-day -day area of responsibility, but kind of see how this stuff all fits together. And then, you know, helps us see the the most important impactful things that we can be work, working on to try and make it better. That's right. Uh, so talk to us about number four. Number four is, uh, we call it the owner-employee rules of the game. And so number four is that you must be an employee when working in the business. And this probably is relevant for a lot of your listeners. So mm -hmm. if someone is an owner, uh, a lot of times left to their own devices, the way that shows up is they kind of do whatever they want and they behave however they want. They're sort of outside the rules and, and they just kind of do their thing and they'll, they'll play the owner card anytime that, uh, you know, something comes up that they don't really want to comply uh, with or, or, or do. And it creates a, a lack of integrity in the rest of the organization when that happens. So a couple of observations here. Number one, there are two uh, clear rights of an owner, but just two. And those two are, you've got your rights to your share of the profits, however that works and uh, whatever kind of structure you've got. And number two is you've got your rights to a, a say in the major decisions of the business. The major decisions, not every little decision, but the major decisions. So, you know, we're going to sell the company. Are we going to take on a new shareholder? Are we going to buy a building, right? Take on some big debt or whatever. So you're going to have a, a vote or however that works in your decision-making process for the owners. What an owner does not have a right to is to be an employee in the organization. And that may come as a surprise to a lot of people because a lot of them think they do. And so when we make that clear and go, look, if an owner is going to be an employee in the organization, so they're going to fill this seat in the accountability chart that we have a need for, then the expectations of them are exactly the same as it would be for someone that we would hire off the street. That's Meaning good. they really should be, if anything, playing at a higher level than that person we hire off the street because they need to set the example. They need right. to be the model, the model employee, right? 
And so, uh, you know, we got to do away with that play in the owner card and they must meet all the expectations of any other employee uh, in, in, in that type of role in the organization. So that's number four is uh, you must play as an employee when working in the business. So if you're going to take the lead on something, you better deliver. That's right. And, and, you know, and you can be fired. So if you're not going to do that, if you're not going to, you know, play by the rules and meet the expectations that we've set for this organization, then we need to get somebody else. That's the best thing for the business. And there is a place to go play owner. So, you know, we, we have this concept of an owner's box, which sort of sets, a, you know, aside from the, the accountability chart. And in the owner's box, you know, the owners meet together, uh, you know, once a month, talk about whatever you want. Uh, you know, hash it out, get information, ask questions, talk about things you're concerned about or you're seeing. And then uh, out of that meeting, though, the ownership comes back into the organization completely aligned. We're not coming in and, and playing politics to try to work this side against that side or whatever. We're coming out completely aligned and, and empowering, you know, the visionary, the integrator, the rest of the leadership team to go and execute to go and, 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 and execute the vision, you know, whatever the high level objective of the owner's box is, you know, whether it's, Hey, we want to grow, we want a certain amount of profit, you know, whatever it may be. Those are the plans that the leadership team are charged with uh, developing and executing and, and making them happen. Got it. What's number five. Number five is to maintain mutual respect. Okay. And so a lot of times we may have a situation where, you know, the visionary has, has hired in someone to be their integrator and what we have to avoid is a situation where the visionary is kind of looking down on them. You know, we get we get at a different level and they're thinking of them as kind of their, their lackey or something less than, and that's just not the case. Uh, the integrator should be eye level, operating at eye level with that visionary and strong enough, frankly, to lean into them with a, about as much power as, as the visionary has. If they can't do that, and what we see happening time and time again is a, a really strong visionary will just plow over an integrator that's not strong enough to kind of push back a little bit. And, and we want that nice, even power. So that's where we get sort of the sweet spot where we can talk about the things we, we need to talk about and get really to the truth and to the right answer. And then we can move forward together and, and go make it happen. So number yeah, five. I'm mean, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah. Say, so Tim, you know, my my uh, co-founder and, and uh, partner in the firm we, we talk about that all the time and he talks about trust, respect, and humility. Mm -hmm. right? If we don't trust each other in any relationship, we don't have respect for each other and we're not humble about it. then it's, that's a, that's a disaster, right? That's a recipe for, for not having success right there. hundred so, percent. Yeah. You know, Patrick Lencioni and his concept of team health, the foundation of the pyramid is trust. Yeah. And, and really it's the trust that, uh, you know, not that I, that you know what you're doing. It's not that I trust you to get the numbers right, but it's that I trust you enough to be vulnerable with you and share something that's potentially dangerous to me. Right. So I sort of open up my armor in front of you and I hand you a dagger and I trust that you're not going to stab me in the heart with it. Right. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah. They, everybody's got the, you know, you give them your key to Pandora's box. Right. And yep. you got to trust them with that. So in that their intentions and motives are right. Sure. Sure, which all which all comes back to typically, you know, the core values of the organization and 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 whatever those are. You know, who who are these people in their core, in their DNA? Uh, you know, are they are they the, the kind of people that, that we are and we want to have more of? So let's talk about the habits and rituals that you see, you know, people love in, in these podcasts, just like a little nugget, right? A little takeaway of something they may or may not be doing already. But what do you find in the, the best of the best leaders? are doing day in and day out. Is, is there one or two things that you're seeing from everybody? 
Well, the, the first one that comes to mind, Brett, is that they're not trying to do it all themselves. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, they're, they know who they are, what they're great at, what they love to do. And anything that's not that, they're finding somebody who uh, would answer the question that, yes, I am great at that. Yes, I love to do that stuff. And so they're, they're able to, to involve those other people in their team and, and delegate that stuff to them and not try to do it all themselves. Uh, Dan Can Sullivan. Quick on that. Yeah. So let's spend some time on that. So I 100% agree with that. So we have a great team and Kate Solberger and Ryan Barkey and John Fisher, Jana Gregoric, Taylor, Andrew, Robin, Laura, right? They could all go on and on and on with these people, great people in our firm. And so how do you help the visionary or the integrator, though, that may say, okay, I'm more and more things are coming off my plate. How do we spend our time now creating more or thinking more and not feeling that guilt of like, Oh, I need to be involved in that. Or I need to be involved in that. Yeah. So great. Yeah, absolutely. Great question. We talk about it as the, you know, the visionary, a lot of times will experience this feeling of being put out to pasture. (laughs) Okay. Does that resonate with you a little bit? That's not true. No, (laughs) it's not true. Exactly what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. And so sometimes it'll take six months or a year to sort of work through this, but when they, when, you know, the, the, the integrator, coming on board is where they feel it the most. And then the integrator may feel it as they strengthen their leadership team. But, uh, you know, it's this feeling of being put out to passion. It's kind of like, well, I'm not doing anything because you're not doing the same stuff you were doing before, but you're doing different stuff. And, you know, one of my clients uh, expressed it this way, just because it doesn't feel like work doesn't mean it's not super valuable, super important and, and super helpful for the company. And so it's just getting you in that sweet spot. When you're playing in your sweet spot, it doesn't feel like work. You know, if you're if you're if you're operating in you know what Dan Sullivan calls your unique ability, you could do it for forever. I mean, you, it's energizing; it's not energy draining. Uh, so, so that actually is a is an indicator that you're on the right kind of stuff and being creative. You know, spending your time being creative, being out there, meeting new people. You know, whatever it is that's your thing, uh, is is super high leverage in terms of an activity for us to have our visionary focused on. Yeah. So, so you got to overcome this, this, uh, this thing that's probably been trained in you since you started um, talking to all you visionaries uh, that, you know, if it doesn't feel like work, I, I, I should feel guilty. If it doesn't feel like I'm work, I'm not working. That's just not true. Well, you're absolutely right. And I think to get to where you get to as a visionary or an integrator in a high level of a firm or a company or wherever you've had to do, you know, I was the janitor and the CEO, right? right. At times. And then when you start to slowly take things off your plate, you know, it's, it's funny. I think what you said, it reminded me of, of a, a exercise we went through in June of 2019. We had to come to one of our offsite retreats. So everybody on the executive team, there's uh, six of us sitting around there and we had to come with our top 10 things we thought we did as a firm. So this is an idea for people to take it and do it with their team. So come with 10 ideas of what you think your most valuable resource you bring to the firm is. Okay. So we did that. And then we went through after like, so if I would, you know, report mine, I'd say, here are my 10 things. And then the, the, the people in the room went around and they voted quietly to not impact other people's you know, thoughts on what they thought my top three should be. Right. And so my top three came back in, in this, in these things, it was my first one, my second one, and my fourth one. Okay. What I had written down in that order. And so for me, it was almost like permission to only focus on those three things. Yeah. And that's yeah. exactly what I needed emotionally to help me focus on that, that I wasn't involved in number eight or number nine, because number eight or number nine should be somebody else's. That's right. So, so I would love to see that exercise expanded just a little bit to give the other party 
uh, some blanks to fill in for the things that you didn't write down about yourself. Mm. Their perception of the most valuable thing you do may actually be different than something you're even aware of. That's a good point. Yeah. And they'll see it. Other people know it. You think it's nothing because it's so easy for you. Yeah. That, that That's nothing. Everybody can do that. And, and it's just not true. Everybody can't do that. You're great at it. And everybody else is blown away by, well, how does he do that? Yeah. That's, that's a good that's, point. That's, that's a great exercise. I love it. And that's to your point of that unique ability, right? We all have a unique ability. Let's just find it. Let's make sure the team is in line with all that. And then that's when we're going to be at our greatest, right? We can hit our goals, achieve our dreams, aspirations, whatever. That's right. If we can have an organization where that's true, essentially for every seat in the organization, that's a pretty powerful organization yeah. because it's a multiplier. Right. So you said the first one on the habits and rituals was not trying to do it all themselves. hundred percent agree. What else are you seeing? So I would say it's, that's, that's, that's my big one. It, it's you, to do that. You've got to know who you are and then you've got to, you've got to find these other people. I was going to uh, mention actually another Dan Sullivan thing, his book called who not how you heard of that. Yeah. So, which is a, it's a great thought pattern, particularly for the visionary and the integrator to be in and then teach your leaders. But, but, you know, go to that question first, you know, is, is all right, who can I get to solve this for me or who on our team can solve this for me rather than trying to figure it out yourself because our habit, which goes back to something else you said, because, you know, founders who were the janitor and did everything all the way up are extremely capable out of necessity. They've, they've had to be able to do all these things. And so that's another sort of trap that they'll fall into is it's like, well, well, I can do that. And yeah, but just because you can, doesn't necessarily mean you should. And just because you're pretty good at it doesn't mean you're great at it. Right. And so these are all psychological things that the visionary and the integrator have to overcome to let go of the things that they need to, you know, I, I used to think I was a pretty good manager, but I've watched people that are awesome managers. And the reality is I'm a great manager, maybe for about one person. Right. If it gets to be more than one person, I'm, can I do it? Yeah. Am I great at it? Probably not. Yeah. There's people way better at it than me. Same thing for marketing. I used to think I was a pretty good marketer. And then I work with some people that are just killer marketers. And it's like, oh, I can't mm. touch that. I'm nowhere close to that. So, you know, find people who are great. Uh, another habit, I think, is just the importance of focus. And so, uh, you know, particularly, you know, coming from the visionary perspective, you, you see everything, you want to do everything. And if you try to do everything, you're really doing nothing. And so it really is about narrowing it down to what, what is the, the, maybe the one thing, ideally it's the one thing, uh, but, you know, no more than really the, maybe the three things that we're going to do, you know, this, this, this year, this quarter, this, whatever, at a high, high level. And then the rest of the organization, they, they kind of align their priorities under that. So it's all kind of beginning to, to harness that human energy in the organization and focus it on this one place we're trying to go instead of, instead of diluting it and spreading it out all over the place. So that well, would be- I think it's so powerful. Because you said, if, if you try to do everything, then you're really doing nothing. That's so true. You know, you try to be the, the guy involved in it all. You're, just, you're not in your unique ability and therefore it's not going to be a, the best work. And you got to, I think you got to be okay with that again. Uh, I worked with Matthew Kelly for over a year uh, as a, a business coach. It was amazing. And and he talked to me about so basically what you said. If you just because you think you should do it doesn't mean you should be the one doing it. Right. right. The who, not how. I also laughed a little bit. I've been telling my my six year old son that when we drive our four wheelers, he ha he always finds this one spot that's got all this water and he just rolls through it like crazy. And I'm like, 
just because you can doesn't mean you should, right? And 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 you can apply that to work as well. Just because right. you can do something, to your point, managing multiple people doesn't mean you should be doing it. Right. And I think that's it's true at an organizational level as well, right? So we got to know what our focus is as a business. Right. Because a lot of times, again, the shiny object comes up over here and here's some opportunity that someone has uh, you know, brought to me or I've, I've found out about. And it's kind of like, man, it looks like a good opportunity. And we take this business that's not about that. And all of a sudden we pointed at that. Right. And, and that's that's very dilutive and and uh, and slows us down. So the more we can kind of push that stuff away and stay really, really focused on on that, hopefully that one thing. Yeah, so as we're coming hopefully to an end here with this COVID stuff, as this vaccine stuff comes out, somebody asked me a great question the other day is what what is this what has this made possible for you, right? What has this pandemic made possible? And I thought it was a great question, Brian McRae. I'll give him credit for that. But what are you finding either yourself or others are, are have made possible over the last, you know, eight to nine months? So the, the first one is that, you know, like this, Zoom, everybody's now in a very highly trained Zoom user. Right. And so that creates a lot of opportunities in terms of, uh, you know, location-based communication where they're not constrained by that. So it's, it's, it's expanded the opportunity to work, to collaborate with people, uh, to, to involve talent, you know, from outside of a marketplace where you may, may be focused on it. My clients, is, it's interesting to kind of watch them process this because uh, the, the shape, my, my, just listening to them talk, the shape of the commercial office footprint, it feels like is going to change. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've got folks that are, you know, that, that aren't changing. They're going to keep it just like it's been. And, and that's what they want. I've got folks that are going to make it smaller. I've got folks that are going to go away from it completely and go hundred percent virtual. And it's not just one it's, it's enough that makes me think mm, that's interesting. Right. So uh, that's a shift and, and, you know, figuring out how to, how to have the same type of, we talked a lot about trust before, but how to have the same type of, you know, relationship, capital moving back and forth via a medium like this is, is an interesting challenge that people are finding ways to work through. Uh, I was with a group the other day and I had uh, maybe 11 faces on the screen and it was a, a leadership team from a pretty good sized business. And one of the observations was, you know, I like this better than sitting there in person because in this one screen, I can see everybody's face at the same time. Mm. When we're there in person, I have to look around. I have to turn my head. So when I'm looking at this person, I'm not seeing what's going on over here. And I thought, wow, that's really interesting. You know, really quickly, just through all the little tiles, you can see the, you know, those, those nonverbal expressions that are happening yeah. uh, in real time for everybody. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have guessed that until it actually happened. No, you're right. It's funny. Me and another one of our advisors, we had a what we call Visionary University was yesterday. And he noticed one of the more experienced advisors looking down and maybe taking the note or something like that. And again, if you had to look around, you may not have seen that. So you're right. I agree with that. And I think it's it's made it more, especially in our business, more, um, more of our clients are, are okay with that type of stuff, right? Yeah. To do Zoom. I mean, yeah. 10 months ago, we were never hardly doing video. It almost felt weird, right? To do it. Right zoom review with with a client and talk about their portfolio and now it it almost i don't know hopefully it doesn't feel weird to go back to face to face right so so actually here's a little bit of a watch out so uh, you know one thing i saw when we first started is people were scared and so they were really concerned uh you know when the pandemic first started that this wasn't going to work how do we how do we make it work and so they were very 
intentional about how they behaved and how they interacted, right? But now you you go these ever how many months we are into this thing, and 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 one thing I am noticing is people getting kind of lax on that, and so when people uh, don't take it seriously that you do really kind of have to focus on the medium to make it work. And all of a sudden you've got all kinds of chaos going on around you, behind you, whatever. You've got another screen up over here that you're kind of distracted by, you know, or, or things like that that just aren't good discipline Zoom behaviors. Uh, it doesn't work as well. Right. And, and, and that stuff would not happen in a, in meat space, in, in human space. Right. So, you know, People can't get lax about it. They've got to. They've got to stay intentional and stay disciplined. And if they will do that, I think it can be a multiplier for them. I've never even thought you. You made. You said something made me think of this question. So I've never asked this. But is there anything that, and maybe there's not, that you're thinking? Hey, we really need to be conscious of this when we go back to work. Right. We've been away from people, right, for so long, except maybe those few handful of people we've been around. And maybe that's something you and I strategize about. I don't know. Talk about, but I wonder what what the risk is when we go back to work. So, so there's two, two things that come to mind for me. One is, uh, you know, I sort of instinctively say, think, well, we should take advantage of it to, uh, you know, to spend time together. If we're going to be in the same place, yeah. you know, let's let's use that for really, uh, you know, face to face time together and and uh, you know, to be be together. But then the other side of that coin is that may be uh, a big distraction. So there's a productivity thing that's going on here where people aren't distracted by the things that they get distracted by normally in the office. They're able to filter that stuff away, which, you know, a lot of my clients, again, are seeing boosts, big boosts in terms of productivity. Uh, so, you know, you may lose that. So I think there's probably a trade-off there, uh, you know, between how much you're one of the other, but it's an interesting question to think about. I don't, I don't know yeah. what the what the right approach would be for that or thing to think about. Maybe that's your next book idea, right? Get that, <laughs> get that whipped up by like April or something. Yeah, so I have, have, have it ready. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully sooner than that. Yeah, exactly. I think I saw uh, Dr. Fauci said yesterday, they didn't think that, uh, what was it? July or something like that. We'd be in NBA stadiums or something like that, but maybe by the start of football, we'll have packed stadiums uh, by next year. So yeah. it's crazy. I mean, I think yeah. at that point you're a year and a half later, and I don't know about you, but I was debating on pushing a trip back like four or five weeks right when it started. I'm like, oh, this will blow through in four or five weeks, and, and that'll be a year and a half. Yeah, I have some friends that I think they've rescheduled eight trips. <laughs> it's like everything they book gets canceled. It's kind of like, you know, you guys are the kiss of death uh, for, a, for a travel thing right now. Uh, yeah, you know, it's it's interesting to see how people respond. You know, I'm in Texas, and so, uh, you know, there's a lot of people doing a lot of stuff. And I mean, we, we have football and, you know, I go to college football games and, uh, you know, parents at least are going to high school football games. And yeah, we don't have anything right now like that. Nothing, literally. I mean, I have four boys and uh, we have no sports going on right now. My oldest son got to play golf in the fall. They had a somewhat of a normal season. They canceled the state tournament. Uh, He's only a freshman, so he wasn't going anyway, but uh, just, I don't know, disappointing. Very disappointing. Yeah, that's, that's, you know, you don't get those years back. That's, that's no. super, super, super frustrating. 
So let's talk about some of the things that were you helping a ton of people, right? You've got Rocket Fuel, you've got uh, Integrator Academy Masterclass, and then you've got the Integrator Certification. So talk to us about that. I know it's kind of a step-by-step process, right? So so talk to our listeners about that. Yeah, so so the way that, that we kind of think about the Rocket Fuel journey, if you will, is there's sort of three phases. The first phase is to crystallize your understanding of the concept. So really, you know, what is a visionary? What is an integrator? Is this a structure that might be able to help help me and my, my organization? And then once you're clear on that, you say, "Yep." Then the second step is to connect, which you know you fortunately kind of, kind of, kind of walked into. But a lot of people aren't that fortunate, and so they've got to go find their integrator. They got to go find their visionary and get paired up, get connected. And so we got a structure for that. And then the third thing is, once you're together now, is to maximize. So take this power. This really it would be friction normally left to its own devices if we're not disciplined about it and turn that into a positive power that can grow the organization. So crystallize, connect, and then maximize. And so to help folks move down that journey, we've got some di- couple of different resources. One is we call it Rocket Fuel University. And that's kind of the starting place. That's the place for all visionaries and integrators and, and others that, that care about their success to meet together in a sort of a collaborative community. And on the entry path to that community is a, is a video course called Rocket Fuel 101. So it takes a lot of the concepts from the book and little video segments and just in a couple of hours can really spin somebody up on what this stuff's all about. So then they can have a really good discussion in that launch pad community. And then from there, uh, for the integrators, if they've identified as an integrator and they really uh, want to become the best integrator they can be, if they want to understand what it looks like to be truly great as an integrator, then we have a path for them to go into what we call the Integrator Academy Masterclass. And that's a four-week intensive where I'm working with them. And again, we're teaching them more stuff. We're showing them what it looks like to be great, helping them learn about uh, you know the things they need to work on through some live group coaching sessions uh, to kind of move them down the path and, and help them to master their craft. And then for graduates of that Academy masterclass, we invite them to apply to be a part of the integrator certification program. And that's a program where they can earn the right to use the designation of being a certified integrator or a professional integrator, depending on what level they're, they're shooting for and really continue to work with the highest level of integrators that are really dedicated to continuing to, to, to work, to, to become great and really master the integrator craft. So, you know, that's a handful of things that we've got out there that, that, that might help folks. Uh, you know, they can find everything at rocketfuelnow.com. Uh, so that Rocket really leads rocketfuelnow.com okay. uh, will lead you to uh, whatever door is the right door for, for you. Got it. So final few questions. So I, uh, I write a check today. You can't pay off if there are any debts and you can't invest it like with visionary wealth advisors. I write you a check today for 10 million bucks. What is Mark C. Winters going to do with the 10 million bucks? I'm going to work with young entrepreneurs and I'm going to help them get started. So let's, let's allocate it. Okay. So I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to take 3 million and I'm going to allocate it to helping the young entrepreneurs. This is really in alignment with what Gino's working on. I didn't know you were going to ask this question. And so it's interesting that that's where I went. Uh, to help them figure out if that's really what they are, help them get started. I'm going to take uh, $3 million and I'm going to use it to help folks that are currently entrepreneurs to uh, get really unstuck and uh, do more of what they intended to do. The entrepreneur that, that we encounter all too often, they, they had this dream of what it was going to be like. You know, I was going to make tons of money. I was going to you know, have lots of 
freedom of time. I can make a big impact, work with people I like. You jump in on them, you know, 18 months later, and they have never worked more to make less. Uh, they don't feel like they're having an impact. They, they don't like a lot of the people that they're working with. Uh, and they're just super, super frustrated. And so, so I'd, I'd help them to, to become uh, unfrustrated so they could tap into their freedom. And then the last chunk I would really use to expand that concept of, of what freedom looks like. And it's different, Brett, for, for everybody. So your definition of freedom is completely different than my definition of freedom, is different than my wife's and so on down the path. And so step one is you got to get clear on what it looks like for you. And so I would devote that to helping people get clear on what it is they really want so that they can be a lot more effective in going after it and actually getting it. Yeah, that's great. And you know what I love about that? I don't ask that question all the time, but for some reason it felt right to ask it today. And, and you, you never hear the successful person that's working in their brilliance talk about, well, I'm going to, I'm going to go buy that home and I'm going to retire and do that. You know, I'm done working, right? I'm just going <laughs> to sit on an Island and look at the ocean forever. Like, and I think that when you're climbing the ranks or maybe when you're in your young twenties or something like that, that's kind of what you think about. Right. And I think as we age and you start to work in your brilliance and you do start to make an impact, you're not done, right. You're going to work forever. Right. Maybe different, right. Different types of works, but you'll work forever because it's all about that, that passion and that belief and that unique value you bring to the situation to help other people. Yeah, you agree? I, I do. And, and again, back to our earlier conversation, it doesn't feel like work. Yeah. Right? When, you're, right. when, when you're, when you're playing in the right spot, it doesn't feel like work. And, and so I think that's a really, really important piece of it. Yeah. No, and people ask me that a lot. I'm like, yeah, I get to sit around and, and talk to clients and advisors and do podcasts and talk about dreams all day long and mindset and what it takes. And I love what we do. And yeah. so we're very, very blessed with that. So. Yeah, you know, on that note, my dad was a, a family physician in a small town in Eastern Oklahoma for uh, gosh, until he was like 75 years old. Like yeah. he retired. And uh, you know, I would talk to him about his work and he said, Mark, it's just basically I go down to the office and I hang out with my friends all day. So all of his patients, you know, he's known them for generations, right? I mean, a lot of times it was multiple generations of people where he delivered their babies and then their babies and maybe even their babies. And so it's just, I'm just talking to my friends all day. Yeah. Very lucky. Very lucky. That's right. I steal your cell phone from you. I pick up that little cell phone and I, and I take it and I delete one app from it. What app is going to give you the most anxiety? Because you just got to have that app. Anything on your phone that you're using? That's Ooh, up? wow! Uh, you know, I'm not a huge. Well, this is this is gonna. I'm not a big app user, so I, I actually do a pretty good job of staying. With the, the, here, I'll give you the answer. The answer is there's a a sports day app uh, that is an app for a local sports talk radio station okay. <laughs> that, that, uh, you know, it lets me, lets me listen to them kind of wherever I may be. And there's a little right. bit of a time delay. And so I can, uh, I can listen to it on, on my schedule. So that's probably, if we were to look at the time I spend, that would be the one that would give me the most anxiety. Otherwise, you know, email, I can get other places, yeah. Slack, I can get other places, you know, text, my text messages, maybe, maybe yeah. that would be the other one that would be, you know, yeah. from a more normal, uh, perspective, the one that would give me some anxiety. Yeah, I like it. You never know what you're going to hear on that one. So I like it. <laughs> I like that question. So last, I said last question, but this is the final question for you. So if you look back on your career, like you said, what, 15, 17, 18 companies you've started. I mean, what, what advice would you give Mark C. Winters 
of 10, 15, 20 years ago, what advice would you give that guy? Uh, just do it. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of things where you get kind of stuck and, uh, and, you know, you don't, don't take advantage of the opportunity. You don't say yes. And maybe that's the other one is just say yes yeah. to more. Uh, and I think I've done a pretty good job of that. Uh, but I wish I'd started it sooner. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I started it fairly young, but you know, I was probably uh, in my late twenties, really late twenties before I kind of got off on the entrepreneurial path. And, uh, you know, so I wish I, I wish I would have started sooner. So I wish I had done that, tried that, uh, you know, had a mentor, maybe that's it, get a, get a, and I had mentors, but just not the right ones or not the ones that would lead me to, to my path that I ultimately found. This is all great feedback. So where do our listeners find more of, uh, of Mark C. Winters? So at Mark C. Winters on pretty much any social platform that you want to get on. So whether it's LinkedIn or Twitter or, or, or wherever. So that's the main thing. I can go to markcwinters.com to see all the different things that I'm working on. And then from there or directly, you can go to rocketfuelnow.com to, to see the specific things around visionaries and integrators. Awesome. It was great having you, Mark. Really enjoyed it. Tons of value. I've, uh, I took three pages of notes here. So that's uh, it's, it's always good when I can walk out with some notes, you know? Well, I've really enjoyed our conversation, Brett. I appreciate you having me on. Tune in next week for another episode of The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm. 